0: This song epitomizes an attitude that unfortunately all too many people have. they feel the world owes them a living, owes them happiness, owes them uh, comfort, owes them security, owes them so many things and they don't realize that we get back what we put out first into the universe that if we don't give life to the universe, the life uh, the universe won't give life back to us if we don't give joy or love out we don't get it back if you want love in your life if you want peace in your life if you want joy in your life realize that it comes from you first you're the one who has to begin it now the topic we have today is you don't have to be sick and what i'm tying that into is this question of attitude so many people feel that there's nothing they can do about it if they're sick they're sick But you know, there was a there was a study made of women whose families got ill, their husbands, their children. And the women very often, because they were so busy tending their sick husband and children, didn't get sick. After the husband went back to the office, after the children went back to the school, to school, then the women very often relaxed and became ill. But they didn't have time to be ill before that. Now this shows something, doesn't it? It means that when you're putting out enough energy, when you're putting out enough uh, effort, then somehow you're putting out that kind of of, uh, uh, power that you draw back to yourself good health. The illness that comes is not dependent only, I mean your susceptibility to it, is not dependent only on the illness itself. It's dependent also on your receptivity. Doctors also, during severe epidemics, very often won't have the time to get ill. After the crisis is over, then maybe they'll get ill, but not before. You don't have to be sick because you can generate enough energy to be able to uh, you might say cauterize that illness or you might say also that uh, what you do is you create almost like an umbrella of positive thought so that like an umbrella in the rain this, this this shelter of positive energy that you have around you won't allow negative vibrations to come to you. So much of our illnesses are due not even to bacteria, they're due much more to negative expectation, to fear. Doctors are discovering more and more how much of an influence the mind and the willpower uh, are on one's state of physical health and also on one's state of mental health, because sickness can uh, uh, can be seen on both levels. Doctors have seen that people who Seemed to have absolutely no reason to survive. They were so ill. And yet somehow they just were determined to get well and they did. There was a very, and the opposite of course is true too, that some people who had no reason to die did because they gave up on life. There was a very interesting uh, report that a friend of mine made. He was a physiotherapist in a polio ward of a hospital. He said that he found that the rich patients very often didn't become well. They developed a chronic paralysis, but he said often the poor patients would become well. And the reason was simply this, that the poor patients couldn't afford to stay there and therefore put out all the energy necessary to become well and get out of there. Where the rich patients could afford it and they could afford the relaxation of a little vacation, Uh, not having any responsibility for a while. But then that paralysis became a habit. I talked to one woman. She was a cook uh, in a, a dining room in an institution. She was very stalwart, very strong. She told me that once when she was young, she had had polio and been completely paralyzed. And they told her that there was no hope for her. She would be paralyzed for the rest of her life. And she said that I simply couldn't accept that idea. You see, this body is big and strong. And to think of this body, uh, this big, strong body being paralyzed, it just was unthinkable. And so she said that when the doctors weren't in the room and the nurses weren't looking, I would just sort of roll and roll until I fell out of bed on the floor. And if they didn't catch me, I would sort of crawl over as I could, inch my way over to the wall and lean against the wall and just make my muscles move a little bit, and bit by bit I'd fi- I would found that they'd respond. And my legs would first of all move, I didn't have much strength, but they moved. And then bit by bit I found that I could actually get up on them and stagger a little bit before I'd fall. But I just wouldn't give in. And finally it, I reached the point where I just was able to completely overcome the, that paralysis. And when I knew that woman, she was not only big and strong, but Uh, walked around energetically carrying big heavy trays. Um, This is the sort of a disease which most people would tell you, orthodox wisdom probably would tell you, it can't be cured, and yet I've known cases where it was. I think what we need to do, and I'm not at all saying that uh, medicine is passé, but I'm saying that we have a lot to learn about the the human aspect of it, the human being. Many doctors have told me that the problem with medicine today is that it isn't oriented toward the person being cured, it's oriented toward the disease that's to be, to be knocked out. And that doctors will even use this terminology. They'll say there's a liver in that room and a heart over in that room and a tumor uh, in this room. They don't talk about Mrs. Jones, who's got a bad liver or Mr. Thompson, who's got a bad heart, or uh, poor old Bob Smith here has got cancer, they don't like to think of it in human terms. Rather, they feel that the human element sort of uh, muddies things. It, pre- it prejudices you, and the more you can... It's the prejudice of science itself that says that the more you can uh, remove the human element from the scene, the more you can obs- you can see a thing impartially and uh, handle it uh, in a scientific way. There's also the sort of hypnosis of modern science that says that scientific experiments should be uh, replicable, that if if one person has proved that a thing works, then it should be that anybody can do the same thing. And that's perfectly true when it comes to physics, but it isn't even true in botany. Luther Burbank, the great botanist, was He he had a lot of scientists upset with him because the experiments that he conducted, many of them, other people couldn't, couldn't duplicate. Why? Because there was something in his consciousness, too. Whenever he would work with plants, he would be looking up here, concentrating deeply, be very internalized. He consciously tried to attune himself to the consciousness in the plant. And that was how he was able to do some of the apparent miracles that he did. But this is the modern scientific dogma. Every age has its particular form of dogma. And this is ours, that the scientific method is the only method that really is uh, uh, completely uh, trustworthy and acceptable in scientific circles. And so everybody who wants to be a scientist tries to make that system work. Well, it works in physics. Even in physics, it doesn't work all that well. They found that in the the, uh, very effort to observe an electron with the electron microscope means introducing elements of light uh, into the scene which will influence the movement of the electrons. And therefore, uh, man intrudes without wanting to on many scenes in physics. The only really pure science is mathematics because it deals purely with theory and therefore it's not dealing with objective reality objective matter at all but once you come down onto a level of living matter once you come down onto a level of a human being then it's really uh, cutting out a large part of the picture to try to be uh, to upgrade your image as a scientist to become like the physicists in saying that i'm a scientific doctor who deals with hearts i deal with cancers i deal with uh, faulty livers i am a urologist and i deal with this situation they've been able to do wonders i don't deny that but we don't hear about the wonders they don't do there was some woman who wanted to take yoga classes from me many years ago she said she'd worked as a lab technician for 17 years in a hospital, and she finally got disillusioned because she found that doctors were killing as many people as they cured. And I said, well, let's be positive about it. At least they're curing as many people as they kill. But uh, the thing is that uh, we, we get an image that becomes exaggerated. And this happens again and again. And then the people involved, their egos are actually committed too. And so they try to make you think. That uh, they are as infallible as the public image of them. And so you get these hospital series on television where uh, every doctor is like Danny Kaye in uh, uh, Walter Mitty, where he's just absolutely efficient, but it's all in a dream. And that's in uh, the dream of this world is that people too, imagine an a level of efficiency which, in fact, nobody has, because ultimately, Everything is in the hands of something beyond all that we can do. I saw a very interesting video the other day on climatology. And this man, Ivan Browning, his name is, is very expert in this field. And uh, he's talking about the climate and its effect on human affairs and fi- the, the finances of the world and so on. Well, somebody asked him the question once uh, toward the end of the program, the interviewer asked him. Why, with your knowledge, so many big businesses seek his counsel? He said, why don't governments seek your counsel? He said, it's because governments like to think that they're in charge. Governments like to think they can control events. And so they don't like to uh, include in their reckoning things that are totally out of their control, like the climate. Whereas, in fact, the climate has a great deal more influence on the stock market and on the direction of the finances of a of a nation and of the world than any kind of governmental manipulation. Governmental manipulation is more like being on a train and deciding whether you want to go to the front of the train or the back of the train, but the train's still moving and you can't change that fact. And there are factors in our lives that you have no control over. And so to a large extent this is true in the medical field, that doctors do their best, they know, that that if you, they do certain things, that this is likely to work. But it's out of their hands after that. They just have no control over a human being. That, that human beings wish to become well, wish to live. That human being's attitude, because so much of it is a question of attitude, too. I, was, I had an operation a, uh, a couple of years ago at a hip replacement. And so I had some physiotherapy. And the physiotherapist was so gratified that I was going along with the exercises. And uh, uh, I said, what do you mean gratified? I mean, isn't that a part of the process? I'm supposed to be doing the exercises. And she said, you know, it's amazing how many people just want me to do it for them. They want me to act on them. They want me to move their legs for them. They don't think in terms of taking charge. And that's why I got well in record time because I did it myself. Well, this is how we have to do with our health, with our bodies. We have to realize that it isn't the pills that you take that make you well. Do you know that That for a pill to be accepted by the, the government, by the Federal Drug Administration, all it needs to do is be 10% better in its effectiveness, than a placebo. A placebo is something that's nothing but sugar-coated, and you tell somebody it's a good pill, and he takes it, and because he thinks it's going to work, it does work. And that may work up to, let's say, 50% of the cases. If this pill can cure 60%, then they say, okay, it's an acceptable thing, and they introduce it into the market. But 50% were cured without even that. Again, I'm not talking against the medical profession. I'm talking about your attitude. You may be, it may help you to take pills, but don't think the pills are going to do it. The pills will perhaps help you, but you've got to cooperate. You don't have to be sick because you can have the right mental attitude that will help you to get the best out of minimal treatment where another person will get absolutely nothing out of maximum treatment. And so many people in this country today are just hooked on pills. I'll never forget one time, years ago, I was giving a a series of yoga classes. And I also started Ananda. The first first part of Ananda was our meditation retreat um, near Nevada City. And there was a woman in my class who wanted to come up there to the retreat and see it. So I had her come along with me since I had to go up for the weekend and during the ride she opened her purse and all these pills fell out blue pills pink pills yellow pills white pills i said what are you doing with all those pills and she said oh you don't know me i just need them i need the, this pill to get to sleep at night and i need that pill to wake me up in the morning and i need this other pill to keep me from being too wired and up and nervous because i took a wake-up pill and then i need a, another sort of calming pill in the la- later part of the afternoon and then i so on and so forth i said listen you've been taking these classes for a week. I admit that's not long but try doing a little yoga before you go to sleep and see if you can't just do, a, do without those pills. Oh you don't know me. I, I couldn't give up those and so I said okay okay leave it. Well you know she phoned me a couple of weeks later she said I finally got the courage together to try what you said and I've never slept so well in my life. Listen you're a, you're a human being you're not a pill receptacle. You're not just sort of a, uh, uh, some sort of absorbent cotton that just takes in whatever liquid is uh, poured onto it. You're a human being with a will of your own and with energy of your own and with the power in yourself to rise above a great deal more than you may think. And the stronger that power, the more you develop that inner energy, the more you'll find that you can overcome even major diseases. Cancer and so on. So many people have overcome cancer that the doctors have given up on because they had the right kind of attitude. Don't be right attitude isn't just a question of, oh, I think I'm going to get well. That's the end result of right attitude. The first part of right attitude is those kinds of attitudes that take you out of yourself, take you out of selfishness, ego, that expand your consciousness. That's why I sang that song to begin with. For life he thought these meadows would give to be his own, but life he gave not first to them, and life he's never known. Give life to the world. Give love to other people if you want them to love you. Give peace if you want things to make you peaceful. Give joy if you want to get joy from this world, if you want to find happiness in it. right attitude, that kind of attitude that keeps you well, is basically an attitude of not even thinking about yourself that's why those mothers in time of sickness in the family those doctors in time of epidemics they're not just too busy to get sick they're also so busy thinking of someone else that they don't have time to think of themselves the basic human attitudes that make a person a whole human being a loving human being a giving human being a supportive human being, a forgiving human being, a compassionate human being, a calm human being, a positive, dynamic human being. These are the attitudes that will make you also healthy and well all your life. And if sickness comes, it will have a minimum impact on you. Even if you die, and someday you'll have to die, and maybe you'll die of some illness, because we all all have to have some reason for dying some excuse to leave this world so we can make room for other people to do their thing. But even then, you'll find that the sickness won't touch you, and you'll go with a song on your lips, and more than that, a song of love for God and joy in your heart.